Hey, welcome once again to Voice of Reason Radio. Chris Honholtz here, but not by myself, <laughs> joining you on this 17th of June, 2022. Uh, unfortunately, Rich is is not is not feeling well. He is a little bit under the weather. He did give me something to to play for you guys. I'll do that in just a second, but I just want to uh, welcome you guys all uh, back. We're so grateful to have you with us. Uh, thank you for the time that you give us each and every week. want to remind you, we are part of the Christian Podcast Community, a wonderful conglomeration of Christian podcasts, one of whom, well, one of its hosts is with me today. So you guys are going to get a special treat. You're going to get two, two Christian Podcast Community hosts on board for, uh, for the price of one. Uh, so I'm hoping you guys enjoy this today. But please go check out Christian Podcast Community. We'd really love it if you would check out all the people that we love to partner with. And uh, you'll always find something good on there. want to remind you, as always, to check out our website, slavetothekeen.com. We are actually starting to put more content up. I've gotten away from... <laughs> finally doing just tweet threads and I'm starting to put my stuff on uh, stuff I write up on the, the blog itself um, actually have an article that's somewhat tied to the, today's topic uh, did a topic or a blog article on Rick Warren's comment at the SBC annual meeting where he referred to secondary issues and uh, I'd really encourage you to check it out it's uh, on Rick Warren women pastors and secondary issues I, I think it's going to help people understand that when a lot of folks are using the phrase secondary issues, when they're talking about doctrine, they're trying to say, it's actually not important, so don't worry about it. No, no. Secondary issues, I hate that term. Even even my 16-year-old son, as I tried to explain this, went, I don't like that term. And there's a reason for it. And I'd encourage you to check out the article because secondary issues, secondary doctrine, my 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 uh, podcast partner over here is trying not to laugh at me. Uh, <laughs> we have a video up and I can see him. Uh, so... He even hated that phrase, and the reason is is because secondary doctrines, if you want to call it that, are still important doctrines. So check out the article, maybe consider sharing it with others, because I we really want to stop this ideology that we, you have to sh you can shut down a conversation by calling something a secondary matter. So really encourage you to check that out. But also, slavetothekeen.com, that's where your one-stop shop for finding all of our uh, social media, how to contact us, uh, and, and the various things there. And as I think I said on the last episode... Uh, you can also, if you want to support uh, Voice of Reason Radio, there's a tab for doing that as well. Leave that between you and the Lord and your own finances. But uh, if you want to help us keep kind of pay for registration of the websites and, and keep uh, things running, that's one way you can do it. And you can find uh, uh, our t-shirts over at doctrinallife.co on there as well. So with no further ado, I'm getting better at being quick about that. It used to take me forever. Uh, <laughs> with no further ado, I want to welcome uh, my replacement podcast partner, but a really good friend and just someone I have been uh, really getting to love spending time with, my good friend Chris Huff. How are you doing, brother? Man, I'm doing well, brother. How are you doing? Uh, after this week, I think I need to get a bottle of full, uh, you know, full strength migraine medicine just by watching everything that's been going on. Um, I didn't know when you said bottle. I was like, oh, where's he going with that? <laughs> I I bought. When, look, I, I get the kind of headaches that Tylenol by itself does not help. I have to. I go to Costco and I get the giant bottle of like migraine strength you know, knock off Tylenol. And it's about the only thing when it, my, when my headaches hit that actually bothers to help, uh, help at all. So for me, it's like, I don't say like a little th tube. No, I get the, I get the Costco size that lasts yeah. Oh, yeah. a, a yeah. year. So, 
Well, you, you saw me. You saw me biting my tongue and chewing on my finger. Uh, and the reason the reason you saw that is, you know, when it comes to secondary issues, when it comes to biblical fidelity and the sufficiency of Scripture, there's no such thing as a secondary issue. Amen. Amen. Uh, that, that's what I was like. No, no, don't don't say it. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> so. No, I absolutely and hopefully I can I I make that point in the article. Um, you know, because the simple point, you know, uh, point of the matter is we know that there are doctrinal issues, say, like the deity of Christ. Right. You can't deny that. Now, maybe when you first get saved and you, you're ignorant of Scripture, you can have a certain theological points that you're just wrong on, and in time you come to understand, and, and sure. you're, you're, you're saved. That's not a problem. But if right. you, with knowledge of what Scripture says, deny these things— and it's been shown to you, and it's clear, and you still deny them. You can't be in the faith because you are denying the very nature and character of Christ if you say he's not God. And so yeah. that, so oftentimes we term that primary doctrine or, you know, primary matters or primary issues. And so we sit, because they're, the, they're the ones that if you deny them, you're just, you're not of the faith. And then the rest of them will, will, will try to, you know, paint it as this bullseye target. And then, you know, certain things get further and further out. But the mm-hmm. reality is, if it's in Scripture, especially if it's a command of God, it's it's important. You you don't get Absolutely. to relegate it to unimportance because it's quote unquote secondary. And so hopefully, uh, I'm able to make that case in the article. It, it seems like a lot of people have read it, which is for us a big deal. <laughs> we don't have that kind of reader base, and they should they should read it. <laughs> I read it. it. I appreciate that. So before we get going, I, I did say that uh, uh, my brother Rich gave me something to play for you guys. I'm just going to pl- uh, play this real quick so that uh, you guys can hear uh, his heart and how he feels about things right now. Because it's been a rough uh, couple of weeks. He has not been feeling well. He's been feeling very sick. His family has been uh, down with the creeping crud. Um, as far as we know, it is not the dreaded <coughs> COVID. Got to be careful to say that because you might get canceled. Uh, but as far as we know, it's not that. But he did want me to play this for you, so let me hit this real quick. Very poignant, Rich. Thank you. <laughs> now, if you don't know that sound, I, I, I'm kind of surprised. That is a Tuscan Raider from the Star Wars movie series. Uh, according to Rich's wife, that's what he sounds like right about now. <laughs> With every oh, time, gosh. Poor every guy. Poor guy. Every time he coughs, uh, barking seal would actually be an improvement. So... <laughs> <laughs> that's, that is how he is uh he's feeling right now so he wanted me to share that important message with you guys but we appreciate it uh please be praying for him and his family and he's also found out some other family health issues uh I, i'll leave that to him to take to, to uh, get to you guys when it's time but uh yeah. to just keep his family in prayer brother before we go into this uh i do want to yeah. share you and i were both uh in the audience so to speak of andrew rapaport's show last night and yeah. he had somebody on that is uh, working on a project, and you can go Oof. to you can go to Kickstarter and actually help this. Uh, if you are familiar with uh, uh, films like Logic on Fire and uh, and other such projects, Spirit and Truth, Spirit and Truth, this is another one that's coming out. They're 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 getting ready to work on, and they've actually done some of the interviewing. 
and they're trying to get the the project funded so they can finish it up. And it's uh, you know it's uh, it's called Cessationist from the creators of Logic on Fire and Calvinist comes a film exploring the miraculous gifts and the operation of the Holy Spirit today. Uh, this mm. is from what we were able to see of it, and if uh, I'll put this Kickstarter. A link in the show notes. I want you guys to go check this out. There are 15 yeah. days to go to uh, to to get to the point of having this thing fully funded. It's about 65%, I think, at this point uh, funded. Uh, and I can tell you right now, both Voice of Reason Radio and uh, my good friend Chris here from uh, Matter Theology, they have uh, we have both put uh, a backing behind this. Yeah. Um, this is this is an important project. I know that a lot of our uh, friends who still believe in continuation of the gifts most of you guys are, are you know you, i know you get rankled when you hear this stuff so please just w- watch the video watch uh, what it is um this is really i think an important uh issue because it does go down to the the very heart of sufficiency of scripture it goes what what is it we need what is it we need to have what do we really have extra biblical revelation anymore uh, are the the signs and wonders gifts for today or are they were they for a time and now we have everything we need in scripture all of that's going to be a part of this project and i think it's really important what we saw was really informative and i think they're going to do a great job with it Literally, I mean, today is, is like I said, today is the uh, 17th of June. They've got 15 days, just over two weeks to get this thing fully funded. We really, really want you guys to get on board with this. If you can send five bucks, it's better than sending nothing. And I know money's tight. Believe me, I understand. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, we had to think about what we could put in. So I get it. But really, I want you guys to go check it out. I want you guys to support it because uh, you know Chris and I got to... Uh, to listen to the interview that they did on um, Andrew's program, and uh, really, I think he's going to handle it well. It's not mm. it's not sensationalized. It's going to represent the biblical arguments well. Uh, that's one thing I think is important. We we certainly stand by here. Is even when you disagree with somebody else's uh, position, you should be able to articulate it accurately. And I believe they're going to do that. So this is something that's worth the the little bit of investment. So please, if you can put anything to this. Uh, pray about it and then get this thing backed and funded. We really want you to do that. Okay. Yeah, it's a. It, man, if I can say one more yeah. thing uh, around that, the issue of uh, and and Drew, but both Drew and I individually, um, and then once we did it individually, we said you know matter of theology is at officially. The same time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did do it at the same time as a, is officially backing. Um, officially backing this project, and uh, it's something that Drew and I have tackled a good bit on uh, on matter of theology. We have uh, we have dealt with this issue um, through the episodes where we've talked about the song "Reckless Love," where we've talked about biblical worship, where we've talked about Holy Spirit activate, especially, and um, and, and this issue of the the person and work uh, of the third member of the Triune Godhead, the Holy Spirit. Um, and 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 what he does and his actions today and and um, uh, along with the sufficiency of scripture, the issue of of true biblical cessationism versus continuationist is a primary issue, um, and, um, and 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 it's one that uh, if you are a believer in the Lord, professing believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and you um, profess to love God and love His Word. Um, then, then this is a primary issue that you need to be resolved on, especially if you would call yourself reformed. So this is an amazing project. Check it out, um, back it, and share it. And um, we're looking forward to uh, to it coming out. Amen. Amen. Absolutely agree. All right. 
So I want to respect uh, my brother's time here because he's got a little one at home, and so <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna try to keep it somewhat tight if we can. This is one of those topics that can go all night if we really wanted to. Yeah, we we, we could talk about this one for a while. We might. I I've been told that we need to challenge Virgil and Daryl on the longest podcast <laughs> yet because they're three hour ones. We're we we're, I've been told we're getting close to coming to JT uh, size uh, episodes. I think we just like to talk <laughs> is the problem. So, <laughs> so what we want to talk about is, uh, it, it, look, if you've been, unless you've been living uh, on a desert island for the last week or under a rock or in the um, some sort of frozen tundra somewhere, or if you're Gene Clyde, you've been uh, at a camp with teenagers from uh, you know part of the high school that he helps uh, <laughs> that he helps at um, away from everything. You, you know that this week was the Southern Baptist Convention's annual meeting, and it was held in Anaheim, California. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're not really clear, we'll just give you a, a not, neither myself or Chris are SBC. Let's just make correct. Right. We'll say that right up front because I correct. know a lot of people will say, well, are you SBC? Do you have a right to speak? Well, Rich is SBC, and I'm speaking on his, his behalf. So, <laughs> in fact, if Rich were here, he might have more things to say than, than what we'll say. He was. He was a little fired up this week. Um, so the SBC, Southern Baptist Convention, is not like a normal denomination, say like the Presbyterian Church or something like that, where you have an overall uh, a Presbyterian entity authority that governs the churches underneath. It is a conglomeration of churches that have come together in what they say is friendly cooperation. They have an umbrella uh, parachurch ministry, which is the Southern Baptist Convention itself, and then they have a lot of different uh, subgroups, things like NAM, which is their uh, mission, their church planting, uh, IMB, uh, which is International Missions Board, and their, uh, the various schools. They have what's called the cooperative program, which these various churches donate money to for the various aspects and operation of the SBC. So they are a conglomeration of autonomous churches working together. So when we say denomination, you know, refer to the SBC as like a denomination, a lot of times people within the SBC will get a little bit rankled by that because it's not a denomination in the traditional sense. So when they come together for their annual meeting, what happens is they elect officers to various positions, such as president, vice president, and uh, treasurer, stuff like that. And they also make a lot of motions and pass, seek to pass or discuss and debate a lot of resolutions. Um, that while those resolutions are not necessarily binding to the various autonomous churches, they are a statement of the 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 people that have come together to make the resolution, vote upon it, and then put it into uh, basically that year's practice, so to speak. And so, what happens is every church. Theoretically, every church is supposed to send messengers to the annual meeting where they make these decisions. That depends. That is not a cheap trip for really most churches. Most churches within the SBC are relatively small. They don't have big budgets. Uh, traveling out of state, much less traveling for several days and providing for persons uh, can get expensive. And as I understand it, each church can send up to twelve messengers. Now, that for some congregations, that's half your uh, that's half your congregation. So, uh, you know, that's that. Every church has that ability, uh, but not every church takes advantage of it. Not every church is able to take advantage of it. So last year, so all right, go back to twenty nineteen. This is when really a lot of things hit the fan. When uh, the SBC's annual meeting had the infamous Resolution 9. Resolution 9 was kind of the foot in the door 
for critical race theory, where they basically said, well, critical race theory, intersectionality can be analytical tools, but they are subservient to scripture, which you cannot use an analytical tool built out of a secular, humanist, atheistic mindset and somehow get that to mesh with biblical truth, but that's what they voted on. Since then, uh, everything kind of went nuts. Now, it, it, uh, Chris, I know, will agree with me that there's a lot that's been going nuts in the SBC under the guise of pragmatism, but this was really where a, a lot has just, what his, the underlying current of the uh, SBC en uh, entity heads really started to become apparent because they, uh, I think it was Tom Buck that basically said it's kind of the, that was kind of the crack in the door that allowed this uh, this outside godless ideology to be introduced. Following that, yeah, and that was the, I believe that was year, yeah, that was the year that J.D. Greer was elected president. And then following that, we had COVID. So <laughs> COVID took place and J.D. Greer got an extra year as president. They typically will uh, be in that position for two years, uh, although you can technically step down or be voted out at the uh, at the annual meeting the following year. That typically doesn't happen. He, they typically run unopposed, and they typically will re retain that. Um, and in J.D. Greer's case, he should have uh, stepped out in, uh, let's see, it was 2019 when it passed. 2021? No. I'm getting my... Am I getting my years mixed up there? Uh, 2019 is when Resolution 9 was, was passed. Right. Um, and, and I know um, he was president, but he got they, he had three years yeah. as president. Yeah, so they, they skipped 2020. They met again in That's 2021. That's what it was. He was, he was um, elected in 2018. Yeah. Yep. That's what it and was. If I can back up for yes, just please. a sec, um, you know, because uh, I, I wanted to address something. You, you said something in, um, and and the, 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 the light bulbs... We're, we're <laughs> dimly flickering. And uh, <laughs> so you said, um, and, and you'll hear this a lot. Well, Chris squared, both of you. Uh, and, you know, you're, you're not SBC. So why do you get to, what, 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 what makes you think you can speak into this? And, and what makes us speak, what makes us want to speak into this is because of this right here. Uh, this is the Belgian Confession of Faith. Article 27 says this, quote, we believe and profess one Catholic or universal church, which is a holy congregation of true Christian believers, all expecting their salvation in Jesus Christ, being washed by his blood, sanctified, and sealed by the Holy Ghost. Furthermore, this holy church is not confined, bound, or limited to a certain place or to certain persons, but is spread and dispersed over the whole world and yet is joined and united with heart and will by the power of faith in one and the same spirit, period, close quote. So the reason that we speak into this and the reason that we are doing this episode is because of that, is because the SBC is a large denomination that is made up of a lot of churches and a lot of professing believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And for a long time, long time, even before 2019, there has been a pragmatic downgrade of, of and shift away from the sufficiency of Scripture. And we're seeing the fruit of that now. Um, so uh, I just, I just, when you said that, I was like, ooh, 
wait a minute. <laughs> um, let me let me let me grab my uh, my uh, three forms of unity here and and uh, read Article Twenty Seven and um and but yeah, brother, keep going. No, absolutely. And, and I, I've also we Rich and I have said this before. What we see happening in uh, the SBC is really kind of it's kind of like the barometer of what's going on around because it is literally the largest Protestant denomination in America and and, yeah. and in many places around the world. So mm-hmm. if if it's going on here, it's going on everywhere. This is happening in your local church. Yeah. And so what happens here is is an issue that every church is facing. So it's important yep. to be aware of what's going on yep. because to to say otherwise is to basically say, well, it's not our church and you don't you know, we don't need to know. Yes, you do. And and if you say, well, you're not SBC, you don't get to speak to it. Everybody, you guys have a phrase that every that was really prominent in uh, in in uh, last year. The world is watching. Well, yeah, guess what? The world is watching, including other Christians. So, what's happening ha- has an impact, and it's important to discuss because what happens here is going to uh, ripple out into other areas. So, it is important to discuss. So, again, a, ba- a backing up. Twenty eighteen, J D Greer elected. Twenty nineteen, Resolution nine passed. 2020, uh, he should have been on his way out, but he, I don't know, by fiat, decided they weren't going to have a <laughs> have a convention, and so it rolled over into 2021 because of all the COVID shutdowns, and so he gets an extra year. Mm-hmm. 2021 is when one of the largest turnouts that has on record for quite a few years. Uh, everybody come running to that particular convention. I think. The numbers when it came to the votes were something in the tens of thousands, like twenty thousand some votes or something yeah, to that event. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and by the way, huge difference in this year's. I mean, you're talking mm-hmm. less than ten thousand, I think, in some cases. So, mm-hmm. massive difference in numbers, mm-hmm. which we'll talk about in a minute. But uh, huge, huge turnout, and it was when uh, Ed Litton was elected president. And some of us would uh, argue by some chicanery because of a last-minute sabotage against Mike Stone. Um, and, and, and people who voted for Mike Stone admitted that the sabotage worked because that's why they voted against him. Um, so he, my uh, Ed Litton takes the stage and within, well, honestly, almost within hours, it starts coming out that Ed Litton is a serial plagiarist. Uh, and the more the more he tried to basically dismiss it, the more it got the worse the the story got. The more information yeah. came out, it yeah. just got worse by the day. And so, fast forward to now twenty twenty two, Ed Linton, who should have by normal practice run unopposed and been uh, the president, steps down, and uh, a new election occurs, and that's where we are today. So. Engaging in that, it, now we're at today's, uh, this week's annual uh, annual meeting. In that annual meeting, they they did a, something very different. They shoved it all the way across the United States, and they landed it in Anaheim, California. Now, traveling across the United States is, is expensive enough. Going mm-hmm. to California, of all places, is extremely cost-prohibitive, which is probably one of the big reasons that you saw a much lower turnout. Um, and so you had a, a smaller amount of people, uh, people who were probably either able to do so financially, which meant church budgets were bigger, which meant right. 
maybe of a certain persuasion of SBC because the church is bigger, um, and or people who were much closer, like, say, the 12 campuses of Saddleback Church that were literally surrounding it. Um, now, I will say, this is what I'm trying to find out. I still do not have an answer. I've reached out to Rod Martin on Twitter. Uh, Rod Martin, the reason I reached out to him is because he was the one that somebody pointed me to the, uh, the article in which um, explained the, how many messengers can, can be sent. It says that each church can send up to 12 messengers. It does not clarify if that's a church with multiple campuses and you only get 12 messengers or if a church with multiple campuses can each cell send 12 messengers. Interesting. That would be interesting to know. Because I would really like to know whether or not Rick Warren, uh, in his unprecedented appearance, which we'll talk about, uh, had as many as conceivably 144 messengers on hand. That would be really interesting to know. No way for us to know that right now. I want to be real careful. That it's, I'm not saying that's what happened. I just want to say I want to know. because that Are you would... a QAnon conspiracy theorist? Oh, for goodness, the no. I actually like dealing with things like facts, you know. That's why. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's what, you know, kind of funny 23 years of a certain career field you actually want to know about facts there you evidence why, yeah evidence you know man makes a difference but it is one of those things that did that have an impact don't know we don't know right now um if i find out i'm going to put all that to everybody know but so what happened is last year that 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 constant finger wagging from what people some people have termed the platform which is basically the people running the show for the sbc the constant finger wagging of you guys need to, you know, understand and get on the right track with things. The world is watching. Stop worrying about CRT, blah, blah, blah. This year, less finger wagging and more. We're turning off your microphone. I mean, it happened multiple times. Multiple yeah. times people ruled out of order. You can't speak to that. Um, the famous, the most common line uttered, uttered by uh, Ed Litton was, you can't name names. Uh, you can't talk about that here. That's that's not appropriate to this topic, whatever. And I mean, messenger after messenger just utterly shut down. So, what what really came out of that was, and what it's very was, unifying, by the way, <laughs> extremely unifying to a certain segment of the SBC. Uh, sorry, tipping our hands here a little bit, aren't we? Uh, so, what we wanted to talk about, what uh, Chris and I were going to talk about today. It is weird saying Chris, okay? I just want to make that clear. It is weird saying, you know, talking to the it's other person. It's weird saying your name. Yeah, it's, it's saying your own name to the other person. Uh, <laughs> this is going to get confusing. Can't even say Chris H because we both got the same. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so um, what we wanted to talk about was ultimately the there's a question that needs, needs to be asked coming out of this particular annual meeting because everything that I think most people who would be listeners of this show – and listeners of shows like yours, Chris, who were, are probably people that would find themselves uh, in alignment with uh, Conservative Baptist Network and Founders Ministries, who have str uh, worked very, very, very hard to reclaim the Southern Baptist Convention to its biblical authority. You know, to biblical authority. Let me just put it that way, mm -hmm. and trying to pull it back from really which is a breakneck pace to the edge of the cliff and uh, and slide into, into what is I believe a, 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 an inevitable inevitable slide into apostasy and so most people listening to this program the reason we were asking talking to you is that if you are part of an SBC church 
and you saw what happened this week, we want you to ask yourselves an extremely important question. I want to clear, and I want to clarify when we ask what we say about this question: Is it time? To leave the SBC. That's basically what we're going to want you to ask. And when we say this, by the way, because I, I need to clarify this, this was brought up more than once in threads that I was in discussions I was involved in. We are not talking about as individual Christians, you need to leave an SBC church. You know, you got a good church, their pastor, pastor's solid, they're preaching the word, they're not involved in this nonsense. Um, but you need to leave because it's an SBC church. We are not saying that. No. However, what we are saying is SBC churches need to talk about and ha have serious discussions about do you remain part of this overall umbrella organization called the Southern Baptist Convention? And we're going to make some uh, statements about what happened at this meeting and ask you some important questions to talk about what your involvement means and then ultimately challenge you. So, ho so hopefully that gives you a little bit of uh, an idea of where we're heading. So before we do that, uh, Chris, anything you want to throw in there? Um, just, just a reminder uh, that the SBC, why it's the largest Protestant denomination, um, the SBC is not a church. Right. Um, and... I think it's good to understand and remember um, that what we see in Scripture, the promises of Christ, um, all the promises, Paul said, all the promises of God find their yes in Him, and so we say amen. And so all of the promises of, of Christ to um, any institution, the only institution we see the promises given are to the church the universal Catholic Church, not the Roman Catholic Church, but the universal Church, Christ's bride made up of the elect. Um, so it's important to remember that Christ did not die for a denomination, that Christ is not promised to, um, to see a denomination um, continue throughout the end of time and, and, and until he returns. We, we don't see that promise in Scripture. So it's important to remember that. And then it's also to, important to remember that we are not called um, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ to unify. Unity is to be built around truth. Um, Jesus, Jesus was clear about that in John chapter 17. But we are not called as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ to unify with anyone. And to use the words of my brother, uh, Daryl Harrison, um, in episode 106 of the Just Thinking podcast, when, when he said that we, we're not to unify um, and, and join with, with anyone, any organization, whether, whether that be a, a, a church or not, pastors or not, that where their deeds are uh, um, observable as objectively evil. Um, so it's important to remember that as we're talking about this, um, and, and as to, to my brother's point, we're not, we're not here to tell you what to do. We're not here to tell you to leave your church. We're not here to, to tell you to stomp into your pastor's office, kick down the door and say, you need to leave the SBC or else, you know, we're, we're not called, we're, we're, we're not doing that. That's not what we're doing. The whole point of this is just to go, okay, it's time to ask some questions and it's time to look and examine and to be a Berean when it comes to what we've seen and what we continue to see in a further downgrade from the institution known as the SBC. Amen. Amen. So we'll start with uh, what I think were some of the the kind of the, I, I hesitate to use the word high points, uh, but, th <laughs> so, but some of the things that came out of this particular convention 
that I think were notable enough that it helps you understand why we say there is a drift. Um, we'll start with the Sex Abuse Task Force recommendations. Now, uh, I, I think listeners of this program, unless you're somebody coming later on, the, uh, on this, uh, Rich and I did do a, a discussion of, and I, if I'm looking at the right one, it, it was the Houston Chronicle, I think, that did the uh, series of articles talking about sex abuse within the SBC. And uh, had a multitude of articles about various situations and, and various investigations that were done. And uh, the problem that was basically, basically tried to say that there was a huge problem within the SBC of sexual abuse. Now, there's another article, and I'm going to put it in the show notes that I want you guys to check out. It was written by Megan Basham over at Daily Wire, who po does point out that, yes, what, uh, there were sitting a lot of cases okay let's just let's just point this out a lot of cases but as she pointed out in her article it was a total of 409 accused abusers found over the course of 21 years in approximately 47,000 SBC churches now wow we now we don't want to say that 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 that's oh, a small number it doesn't matter every one of those matters okay every single yeah. one of those matters yeah but yeah. when you say that this is a um a widespread problem, please remember, 409 accused abusers, 21 years, 47,000 churches. It puts things into a particular perspective. Sometimes when we hear about certain things happening, we assume the worst of the situation. It's kind of like we've talked about on the show uh, when with the whole Black Lives Matter movement and police shootings and stuff, and they'll they'll focus on it, and what they'll do is they'll isolate it from the totality of what's going on in real life. And mm -hmm. so, if you hear only this, 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 this over and over and over again, you begin to presume that it's this massive widespread problem. When in really, it's more isolated than than now. Doesn't mean it isn't a problem. It just means right. it's more isolated when you look at it in in its actual perspective. So. A long well, and do we know? Do do we know? And and I'm sorry, I, I actually ahead. have, I haven't read the article. Um, I, I know that um, I I know of the article, and <laughs> I know there have been some uh, who uh, are are faithful brothers in Christ who have who have actually you know responded publicly to mm -hmm. Megan and others on on social media concerning this article. But out of those cases, the 471 cases, how many of those have been adjudicated according to Scripture impartially? And and what was the outcome? Do we know? Is that in there? Or do uh, we she doesn't. I don't think she makes that uh, amount. I do believe this uh, sex offender task force or the, the report that came out of Guidepost Solutions, uh, the task force report probably has more of that information. And okay. I have not read it because it's like hundreds of pages long, I think. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's a huge report. But so uh, back last year in the annual meeting, they basically established the sex offender task force. And what they did is their sex abuse task force, and they and they reached out to uh, Guidepost uh, Solutions, which is so basically the reason they say they reached out to them, even though they're uh, a secular uh, organization, is they're supposed to be essentially the best in the field at this kind of stuff. And Guidepost did the investigation. Now, this is another reason why I want you to read Megan Basham's article, because this is the best in the business. And she points out there's some issues. I'm not saying that every single uh, one of these matters they investigated was was bad. But if they're the best in the business and what she, one of the ones that she brings out, there's some glaring issues, that should cause some questions. But 
Mm. Uh, unfortunately, the uh, SBC leadership doesn't recognize that problem. So, you know, and, and just to basically point it out, she uses one particular case where a woman who appears to have been engaged in a some kind of sexual relationship with a, a professor of, a, of an SBC school, I think, um, over a period of time, later you know, started saying that basically he sexually abused her and he was dismissed from his position, etc. And this become and, and basically, thanks to Rachel Denhollander, she was kind of a, a spotlighted as this is where the SBC has gone wrong. Here she is, a clear victim, and we didn't take care of the situation. And so, Guidepost was invo you know, involved itself in investigating that as part of this task force. And interestingly, as far as anybody knows, Guidepost never spoke to the supposed abuser. And when they say that he that it was you know the, that it was a credible allegation and basically proven, they point to the fact that the two people she talked to at the beginning of this, they believed her. When she says that she contacted police, police have no record. Oh wow! And this is guidepost being the best in the business. Mm. So read the article, make your own decision. I'm not telling you she's. I'm not saying that something inappropriate didn't happen. I'm not saying that's a lie. Right, right. But, but Megan Basham's article points out that here's a huge problem. This is the kind of spotlight situation that was brought up to cause the um, the sex offender, sex abuse task force to be formed. And it appears that it was not handled properly by Guidepost. So anyway, Guidepost does this investigation, comes out with a, a massive set of recommendations. That is brought up as one of the uh, you know, one of the uh, resolutions to be voted on this year. And the two things that came out of the that particular um, recommendation is that was to create a, a bureaucratic entity, and I can't remember the full name of it. Um, it was big acronym, uh, but, but a bureaucratic entity within the SBC to study and implement the guidepost recommendations, and also to create a database and I. Uh, this word just makes me cringe. Credibly accused persons. So that basically churches would have a one-stop shop to go and go, hey, is John Doe uh, somebody who wants to volunteer or be you know, uh, placed in our church leadership of some kind? Is this person a, a credibly accused sexual abuser? Uh, now, uh, credibly accused can be a couple of ways. One, you've, you've admitted it. Uh, or there's a police investigation or some sort of outside investigation that actually proves you did it. Fair enough. Or because there's been an investigation and the preponderance of the evidence suggests that you did. That's a little bit different. It's, in fact, it's really, really, really different. It, it, it's a huge due process problem, <laughs> really, is what it is. Um, go ahead, brother. Well, and let me let me back up for, uh, for a second because... You know, if 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 all you're going on is a list of accused people, and then you are not able to adjudicate these accusations impartially, mm -hmm. uh, Scripture is replete with passages of Scripture. I just said Scripture twice. That was redundant. Sorry, <laughs> it's been a long day. Um, 
but there, there are multiple standards and commands throughout the whole of God's word, the whole counsel of God, when it comes to impartiality, when it comes to judging, judging according to what God, what God commands. And so if you're going to have a list of, of people who have been accused without, to what we were talking about earlier, clear and compelling evidence um, to make an impartial judgment as far as that person's guilt um that that's a sin yeah that is going against a clear standard laid out in the word of god yeah absolutely agree and i found the here's the actual sex abuse task force report and recommendations from the sbc bulletin so the uh the the bureaucratic organization would be called the abuse reform implementation task force uh, A-R-I-T-F, and they were, I'm trying to get the picture on my phone to cooperate, um, <laughs> and then they would be the ones that basically create the website uh, um, cr to create a ministry uh, check, and the this is where if, if you have someone who's to be put into it, um, read these quickly, it's basically the following are grounds for submission, names of pastors, denominational workers, or ministry employees or volunteers who have been associated with a cooperating Southern Baptist church or entity who have been convicted or had a civil judgment against them for sexual abuse. Okay, that's good because that's something you can actually point to and say that that proves that this person did it. The other is uh, those same individuals where a qualified independent firm has performed an inquiry into the allegations and determined that the individual in question has been credibly accused by a preponderance of the evidence, these inquiries will be initiated by relevant local church or other Baptist body. Now, I believe what they try to say, and here it is, upon submission of an allegation to the ministry check administrator, the administrator will examine supporting documentation to ensure the standard of credibly accused has been met according to the requirements set forth herein. Credibly and, accused. Yeah, credibly accused. I mean, so basically, it what they're saying is, you have to meet this preponderance of the evidence qualification. What they're, what they're trying to say is what, what falls under a court of law definition. And I suspect uh, when you're not actually being held to the standard of a court of law, that's going to actually be ripe for abuse. Um, but that, that person, there's got to be this outside investigation. And even though you can't prove in a court of law that this person committed an offense, the, accused, the accusation is substantial enough that, well, we think your name should be included. The accusation is sufficient. Yeah, the accusation. See, this, this, okay, and, 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 and I wanted to find these verses. Here's Deuteronomy, okay? Deuteronomy 16, verse 8, starting in verse 18, and this is the Legacy Standard Bible. You shall appoint for yourself judges and officers in all your gates of the towns which Yahweh your God is giving you according to your tribes, and they shall judge the people with righteous judgment. Listen to this, verse 19. You shall not distort justice. You shall not be partial. Right. And it's that, credibly accused is, is what they're it, gonna go with. Yeah, and it's 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 partiality. It's 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 leaning heavily in the favor of the person making wow. an in an accusation. And mind you, this is on the heels of the Me Too movement, which says you have to believe all yep. women. Yep. Yep. And I, I will say there is a certain amount of sympathy to when a woman makes an allegation, she's more often than not going to be telling the truth. 
that I, I don't doubt to a certain extent is true, but that's not the standard by which you determine guilt. And if a no. person is to no. be databased as a credibly accused offender, an abuser, you're going to have to meet the biblical standard. And unfortunately, the way this has been set up and the way this is being phrased, you are not meeting that standard. Because the second point to put a person in there is this credibly accused. And that's open to, honestly, it's open to interpretation. And that's going to be really Oof. problematic. Wow. And so that's, these were two of the big things that were on the, the sex offender or sex abuse task force recommendations. Yeah. And this, what was interesting is that there was actually an amend, somebody requested an amendment to basically include the language that that this that the uh, that the investigation be done with the intent of you know and making sure due process was met shot right. down utterly shot down the the, wow. the messenger shot it down they did not they would they actually were against that that's that's terrifying um, well and, and if you if you have and, and I know you know we're camping out here a little bit but I think it's important to understand that if that if sexual abuse has happened that's a Yes, number one, that is a sin against God. It is a sin against the person that the abuse has happened to, most importantly. Uh, but then following on its heels is this has to be reported to authorities. Mm -hmm. A crime has been committed. Therefore, the diakonos, the minister that God has set in order to punish evildoers is government. That's Romans 13. And if you're not adjudicating this according to the law... And, and 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 law enforcement and and government needs to get involved on, in this. And if you're not doing that, again, you're not following the clear, clear, crystal clear. You can't. You have to do a, a bunch of hermeneutical gymnastics to get around this. Yeah. If if, if, you, if that's what, not what you're going to do, and so SBC leadership shuts that down. Yeah, and, and here's this thing that thing that I think is problematic about it. It goes back to the we have to do something mindset. You know, we right. have to do something. We we got we can't just do nothing. If we do nothing, then we're going to perpetuate the problem. We have to. Do what something. else does that sound like? Ugh, go for it. Tell them. <laughs> that sounds just like what you hear after every god awful uh, tragedy where a gun is involved, and you hear the left mm -hmm. saying, "Gun control. We have to do something." something. Thoughts and prayers are not enough. We have to do something. Yeah, and and, and I, I have said, and will continue to say, the worst, probably most dangerous phrase in in modern uh, parlance is, we have to do something. Because the idea of doing something is better than doing nothing and, and, and until we've actually got a better plan in place and, because people could get hurt. So that it's that we have to do something mindset. And I, I understand None of us is going to sit here and say that abuses have happened in the church. That churches did, nobody tried to cover it up. No, we're gonna. That has happened over, and right. it's unacceptable. Absolutely right. unacceptable. Yes. Every single church in which it's, it's, that instance has happened. It's yes. Unacceptable. Yes. Yes. And yes. The idea, however, that you veer so far into the other ditch that you now violate people's rights and violate biblical parameters, which says you don't. You don't basically uh, count someone as guilty unless there's sufficient evidence on in, in, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses the matter is confirmed correct and by the way you know everybody goes well so you have to have all these people that see it well no there's a lot of ways no. that you can do that that meets that qualification we've talked about that on this show before 
But the point is, is but keep this in mind. Keep this in mind with what, what what with what you're talking about right now, and and so the we have to do something, and uh, that that mentality, that thought process, those words, that sounds a lot like the world. Yes. And when I say the world, I mean the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. Notice as we continue, as we continue talking through this. How much leadership in the Southern Baptist Convention, a professing evangelical organization, sounds more like the world than like the Bible? Amen. Amen. And this is where I, why this goes back to a question of the SBC as an entity and its leadership. Because as the, the guidepost solutions came out, uh, the recommendations report came out, a lot of people, including the, one of the individuals running for SBC president, Tom Askell, had serious questions about some of these recommendations and was questioning, where's the biblical, pre- where's the biblical precedent for it? Where are the biblical uh, you know, uh, parameters? Where, uh, what is, where is scripture saying that this is what we should do? And he was resoundingly mocked. I mean, mm-hmm. over and over again mocked for oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it was basically kept coming back to, we have to do something. All the way up into the point of this being introduced, big speeches about it, and this is what we need to do. We need to we, we need to be concerned about uh, taking care of victims. We, we've uh, been, uh, you know, t- uh, turned a blind eye for too long kind of mindset. And all of it, powerful enough that no amendments were basically allowed. The, the um, Anybody tried to make an amendment, the messengers voted it down. And it was passed overwhelmingly like almost no uh opposition to it and this is this was sold by the leadership no opposition and no questioning about what by mind you guidepost is a completely secular organization that said oh by the way it's pride month here let's let's celebrate sexual perversion and yet they're telling the sbc how to handle sexual abuse in the church and that was mocked if you pointed that out you were mocked for it so this is being led by the leadership. So that was one of the big issues. Go to the second big issue, Saddleback. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, last year, <clears throat> Saddleback Church, in violation, clear violation of the Baptist faith and message and scripture, publicly, not even quietly, like announces it from the rooftops, publicly ordains three women as pastors. Basically, like, tempting the SBC to do something. Hmm. Now, mind you, a lot of people spoke out. Even J.D. Greer spoke out and said, this is not right. So, 2021 annual meeting, a, a resolution is made, or a, a motion is made to have Saddleback Disfellowship because they are in violation of the Baptist faith and message. So that's submitted to the Credentials Committee. Credentials Committee basically investigates this stuff and determines whether or not a church is in friendly cooperation with uh, the SBC and in adherence to the Baptist faith and message. They're the ones that decide whether or not you should be credentialed as an uh, SBC church. And then once they make a recommendation, they forward it to the Executive Committee. Now, I have... So complicated. I, I, I had to research some stuff today to make sure I was saying things right. So complicated. <laughs> well, remember, this is not they, they are they are cooperation of churches, so they have to have all these rules, and I get that, I understand why, but yeah, I, I agree, very complicated. So this year there should have been a recommendation. This year there was not a recommendation. Why? 
because the credentials committee said, well, it sure seems like a lot of churches interpret uh, that term pastor to mean lead pastor, and they have other positions like a worship pastor or a youth pastor or a, a pastor over women's ministries. And, 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 and so it, it seems like we might want to understand what we mean by pastor in the Baptist Faith and Message 2000 before we make a recommendation. And this turned Nuance. In, yeah, oh yeah. This turned into, from what I understand, an hour-long debate with yeah, people. Right. Even Al Mohler got up at the messenger microphone and took the SBC to entities to task for this. Al Mohler doesn't typically do that at an SBC function. No. And Al Mohler was very vehement about, are you crazy? We know what, I, I was one of the people that drafted that. I, we know what pastor means. But the, the, uh, the credentials committee tried to get a, a period of time to study, I'm not kidding, to study what pastor meant in the Baptist faith and message because they were trying to, I believe, carve out an exception for Saddleback. They, they had, we, it was Tom Buck who in recent weeks and months has been pointing out various churches planted even by NAM, North American Missions Board, where husband, wife, pastor teams were, were, uh, were preaching. You, you've got churches planted by the North American Missions Board with women pastors. And so <laughs> you've got the, you know, the credentials committee going, if we disfellowship, we've got a problem. So they're trying to, I believe, try to stall for time and not make a decision this year. And they're trying to not disfellowship the second largest SBC church in America. And so they asked for a period of time to do so. And then I forget who it was. There was another person that made an amendment to that, trying to clean it up a little bit, make it sound better. Ultimately, um, the the messengers did the right thing. They said absolutely not. And so the credentials committee, uh, the uh, the amendment, Adam Greenwald, I think it was, uh, yeah, because it was the Greenwald amendment, and I, uh, that was defeated. And the credentials committee pulled back their their recommendation for the time to study. So now it sits squarely back in the lap of the credentials committee and we're, nobody knows just yet what they're going to say. But what was interesting about that is you had, here you go, SBC leadership. People, mind you, the president appoints a lot of people to these various posts. These individuals get voted on in some cases, but other places they're appointed. These are people under the authority and the direction of the SBC president, in this case, Ed Linton, up until the uh, up until this week. And they are saying, gee, we really don't want to make a recommendation on a church that ordained publicly three women pastors in violation of scripture and the Baptist faith and message. Cowards. This, cowards. Pure coward. Pure, pure cowardice. Well, you know, it, it, it's so funny that they spent all that time trying to delineate and, and, and exegete what the Baptist faith and message 2000 says. Yes. When you just simply need to just look up episkopos in the Greek, yeah, it's not overseer, bishop, elder, pastor, same thing. Yeah, like the, scripture doesn't nuance who can be a pastor and what the qualifications are. That it doesn't, and 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 using anything descriptive uh, that contradicts what's prescriptive is reading your framework. And again, doing more hermeneutical gymnastics to try to appease the masses. Mm -hmm. When last time I checked, 
we're we're told to glorify God and to steward His bride. It's not ours. Yeah. And, and, and here's the Ooh. thing. I, there's a, there's a great thread, and I'll try to put the link for this in there, provided Twitter doesn't make it disappear. Dustin Benj does a fantastic, just what you did, just explaining the various Greek terms used to talk about elder, bishop, overseer, shepherd, or pastor, uh, yeah, preacher. Yeah, and, yeah. And fantastic yeah. thread. We'll put the. I'll put try to remember put this in show notes. Um, but that's exactly it. The scripture is clear, and as Al Mohler made it said pastor in the Baptist faith and message is extremely clear. There's there's nothing in there to say you can have a uh, a, a side pastor sort of-esque position that doesn't fall under these you know <laughs> under these rules. Uh, that, but that's what they're looking for. And what was interesting about that was in the midst of all this who co- who, who has never darkened the doorway in years of an SBC annual meeting here comes Rick Warren. He's invited to the messenger's microphone. Now, mind you, he's the messenger's microphone, you're there to either ask questions of the committees or you're there to make a, a motion, you're, you know, to have something voted on. You're not there to just talk. It's it. Interestingly, apparently anybody who even tried to ask questions got shut down by Ed Linton, but Ed Linton invites the, the head pastor of the second largest... Uh, self-proclaimed pastor self-proclaimed pastor who who can apparently appoint his own successors which was a husband wife team anyway uh so he comes up yeah (laughs) chris is lifting his arms like "Eh." so he comes up and he gives i think it's like a five or six minute spiel i'll put denny denny burke has it on his youtube page i will put this in there yeah but he does like a five minute spiel of where he says he's not going to defend himself and then proceeds to defend himself uh, and does the actual opposite of Paul where he Paul says, uh, let's see, I'll give you all my credentials. I was beaten. I was shipwrecked. I've been starved. I've been, I've, I've been left for dead. He says all these things that he did, like, oh, I've planted you know, X number of churches. I've sent so many people across seas. I've, I've trained 1.1 million pastors. That's more than all our churches combined. Sorry, guys. I mean, I'm, these are actual... It's a paraphrase of actual quotes. I'm, I'm not I'm not joking here. I have um, a response to that here in a minute. Go ahead. <laughs> yes, yeah, you had a great response to that, by the way. But he wraps it up by saying, and he he starts it by saying he's he you know it's the condemned usually you know gets to have his you know make a last word. So he's there knowing <laughs> that he's facing disfellowship for doing the very thing that the Baptist faith the message said you can't do, ordaining women pastors. And then he goes at the, at, at the end of this, he says, and, and I quote, are we going to keep bickering about secondary issues or are we going to keep the main thing the main thing? We need to Goodness. finish the task and we that will make God smile. Love you guys. So he, he does a five, like almost six minutes spiel where he lists his accomplishments in a love letter to the SBC to basically say, because well, because I'm SBC, I got to do all this. Kind of like... Hey, I'm your second largest church. Look what I've done, and I'm SBC. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like, do you really want to punish me? Do you really want to disfellowship me? Really, what it was, and then proceeds to smack on people to, for saying that uh, you know he he did something that Scripture does not allow him to do, and calls it a secondary issue. By the way, Whew. this is why I wrote my article. Um, and so, what does that tell you about 
the 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 uh, the influence that Rick Warren has over the SBC. Mind you, where was this being held? Right in the middle of his twelve satellite campuses. Right in his backyard. Right in his backyard. Yeah. Yeah. You literally in within throwing you know probably rock throwing distance of one of the one in Anaheim. So this yeah. is th- this is a man with immense influence, immense influence in the SBC. And Rich has some stuff that, you know, I don't know that we'll have, I'll be able to go into all this stuff, but it, he he asked the question, is like, did he buy this election? I don't know. I, maybe. But I can't say that. It makes me wonder about the number of messengers he was allowed to bring. But he gets up, and it, when other people are being cut off at the mic and literally having their mics turned off, mm-hmm. he gets to make a six, five, six-minute impassioned presentation about his accomplishments yep. and then belittles everyone around him for calling for his disfellowship because it's a secondary issue um, this was this was, was the insane. 2022 version of how dare you yes it's very much so and, and what's funny is when you listen to rick warren he sounds like the nicest guy in the world i mean you, you listen to him he's got the voice crack down he's got the he you know i mean he he takes a, a like a punch in the nose at calvinists and then okay. the ne- and then the next uh, line is like ready to crack a tear Go ahead. Okay. I'm sorry. All right. So, um, Rick Warren's an excellent orator. Oh yes. Uh, to your point, you just made. Um, but make no mistake, Rick Warren is a deceiver. Mm-hmm. Rick Warren is one who twists God's word. When Rick Warren started speaking, and and this has been true for years, you should be able to, as a professing believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, when it comes to Rick Warren, when it comes to Joyce Meyer, when it comes to Stephen Furtick, when it comes to, I I keep going, (laughs) but with Rick Warren in that speech, you should be able to hear the hiss of the serpent. Rick Warren is a liar and a deceiver and a twister of scripture. John 8, 44, you are of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. That's John 8, 44. Rick Warren says he's trained 1.1 million pastors. He's quoting, I have trained 1.1 million pastors more than all of our seminaries combined. To which I respond, like a lot of our, our faithful brethren did, well, no wonder the, the, the state of the evangelical church is in what it's in, mm-hmm. uh, number one. But most importantly, and my response to this was, quantity in number is not the goal when it comes to training true, called, confirmed, qualified, and faithful episcopos, elders, overseers, and deacons. And I say that in in response to Matthew chapter 7. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter through it. For the gate is narrow and the way is constricted that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. 
you will know them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their fruits. Verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, in your name did we not prophesy? Train pastors. Did, and in your name cast out demons, plant 14 uh, country clubs, not true churches. Um, and in your name do many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. What is lawlessness? Lawlessness is sin. Lawlessness is anything that contradicts the clear teachings and clear commands of Scripture. You want to know what the what the what the qualifications of a pastor are? Read First Timothy three one through ten. Read Titus one five through sixteen. You want to know who's not qualified to be a pastor? Well, anybody who doesn't meet Titus one and First Timothy three and then First Timothy two uh, verses nine through twelve as far as women goes. That's that's not it. Mm-hmm. It's not a secondary issue when it comes to women pastors. And those who want to nuance it, my, my brother Josh uh, Nimi, I don't know how to say his last name, but he's um, what he, he runs expository parenting on Facebook, has a couple of books, and, and he said this. He said, quote, kinds of pastors not found in the Bible. One, female pastor. Two, youth pastor. Three, senior pastor. Four, music pastor. Five, video pastor. And then he says, kinds of pastors found in the Bible. One, pastor. <laughs> the Bible is a two-edged sword that cuts against both liberal and conservative pragmatism. Amen. And that's really what this is boiling down to is here we got the Sex Abuse Task Force. The, the obvious issues with it that are utterly ignored for the do-something crowd that is being promoted by the leadership. In addition to that, you've got Saddleback with its obvious uh, failure to adhere to not only to the, the Baptist faith and message, but scripture. Yep. And the leadership is kind of punting on this one, trying to find a way around it. And what's funny is, you know, Bart Barber gets elected president and he right. goes on a spiel about Rick Warren and how, you know, that he, that he loves the guy, even though he disagrees with him on these issues. And I'm like, this is the problem. You have someone mm-hmm. who is utterly thumbing his nose at you, mm-hmm. and you're, you're you're coaxing his ego. So that was that was the the second issue. Again, this is we're pointing to the problem of the umbrella organization, the SBC. Another thing, and I'm going to try to make these a little bit more quickly because we got other areas to cover. But um, interestingly, there were some 29 motions made. Only nine of them made them through committee to actually be voted upon. Uh, and, and what was interesting is certain ones like uh, 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 try, uh, trying to pass a resolution on the sanctity of the pulpit or a uh, resolution against plagiarism never made it out of committee. They were uh, they were rejected. Oh, yeah. Uh, so Not surprising. Not surprising. And in fact, what was interesting in any time that a, a messenger came to the mic to address, you know, ask a question or make a, a motion about the, uh, the word plagiarism came out of his mouth um ed letton cut his mic <laughs> like every wow. time every single time so 
so you only had the nine, nine resolutions that came out. Messengers were uh, trying to come forward to speak and in some cases try to bring stuff back up. They were either uh, dismissed as being out of order or it was, uh, oh, this has got to be referred that way, so this is not appropriate place for that. Oh, this doesn't, you know, what you're describing doesn't address the issue that we're on right now. And over and over again, every time messengers came to the mic, almost routinely it was it was uh, ignored or dismissed and oftentimes just completely cut off the thing that came that happened during all of this goes back to our good friends Tom and Jennifer Buck Tom came to the messenger's microphone because that he wanted to address the uh, concerns about this creation of a bureaucratic organization and a database that was being recommended by the Sex Abuse Task Force. We've talked about it on this show. Uh, I shared Janet Mefford's interview with, uh, uh, or Justin Bullington, Theobro's podcast interview with Janet Mefford. She talked about uh, what happened with uh, Tom and Jennifer. So we won't rehash it here, but Tom and Jennifer were basically like gutted by the systemic uh, problems within the leadership especially with SEBTS. And Tom knew the, the, the serious issues that could come as a result of unchecked bureaucratic authority. So Tom tries to talk about it. He gets cut off by Ed Linton. He tries to talk about it more. His mic's turned off. So that issue happens. So he's not even able to finish asking questions. He's not able to address the concerns. And this thing later went to vote and overwhelmingly passed. Jennifer Buck comes up and wants to make a motion to have an outside entity investigate SEBTS. SEBTS, Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, where Danny Aiken is the head and Karen Swallow Pryor is one of the professors and, and, the, and the people involved with this matter of Jennifer Buck's original rough draft, which never should have seen the light of day until it was edited and approved to be seen the light of day, somehow got out of Karen Swallow Pryor's hands and into who knows how many hands. And Karen never bothered to tell anybody. So when they try to have, you know, have discussions with these individuals, and, and Tom Buck has released through Janet Mefford uh, a statement, Tom and Jennifer released a statement through Janet Mefford, uh, you can go to her website and see it. One of the things that came as a result of that was they were trying to get SCBTS to agree to a third-party investigation. Initially, they said yes, and then they said, "No, nah, we're not. We're not going to do it." And then they kind of passed it off and said, "Well, that's because we all that we couldn't come to an agreement," which was not how it went down. Uh, Tom Buck's got the info on that. And then SCBTS investigated itself and cleared itself of wrongdoing. Not kidding. Danny Aiken has a statement on that. They, they investigated themselves and found they did nothing wrong. So Mrs. Buck stands at the microphone and wants to you know, make a motion to have SCBTS investigated by a third party. Except that, well, that kind of investigation has to be routed through the... Uh, through the um, you know, the organization that, uh, the, that the complaint's about. So, therefore, it's got to go back to SCBTS. Uh, SCBTS is the one that's the problem. Well, it still has to go through them. Uh, 
if we can get the votes, well, uh, we maybe maybe we can get that turned around, and they didn't get the votes. So it's referred back to SCBTS, who's going to investigate itself again. So SCBTS gets a second bite of the apple to investigate themselves again, mm-hmm. thanks to the shenanigans done on stage. And by the way, Jennifer Buck got cut off. She didn't get to finish talking. So, you know, you have all these messengers that are trying to bring issues up that are being cut off. And you get a, a, a man who's not a messenger, but invited to the, to the microphone to speak for six minutes and pat himself on the back. And then kind of a slight sort of, uh, you sure you really want to disfellowship me? Kind of uh, nod to, uh, when he says, I love y'all. Uh, th- this happened to the messengers. This happened to the people coming from churches to, to vote on things. So then the last thing is a presidential election. Now, much can be said about the lead-up to the election, some of which involves the shenanigans that, uh, that Tom and Jennifer got pulled into. But we'll, we'll bypass that, and we'll go to the people that actually ran and what happened before. So you're ba- basically the two major people running were Bart Barber and Tom Askell. Mm. Uh, Tom Askell being, of course, the you know the individual that um, would be more of your, you know, conservative Baptist network. Uh, you know, the the type of person that is basically calling for the SBC to be pulled back into biblical parameters and, and instead of this you know constant leftward drift, and is vocal about it. Now, Tom Askell is one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. He is extremely polite. He is a gentleman in everything he says. But boy, people sure like to paint him like he's some sort of ultra-right radical nut. Right, right. And that's exactly what happened in the lead-up to this election. Bart Barber, from what I can understand, is a nice guy. It doesn't sound like he's a a, a, a liberal loon. Uh, as far as we know, he's not Ed Litton type where he just pl- plagiarizes. He's a local pastor type of guy. And he was kind of the safe bet, which is what I think a lot of us looked at him and went, yeah, he's going to win because he's the safe vote, which because that's kind of what happens we often see in these elections. They go with the safe vote. And so that was basically how this was portrayed. Bart Barber repeatedly, uh, you know, saying things like, "We're not in a drift. We're in a good direction. I, you know, we we need to have unity, etc." Tom Askell going, "Yeah, we're headed for the falls, guys. We need to pull it back." So, um, remember that number one, the election was happening in Anaheim, which was cost prohibitive, so a lot of people couldn't come. It was uh, so ended with a much smaller turnout. Who knows what a larger turnout would have brought? No way to know that. We're just speculating, and that's all it can be. Uh, but the interesting thing was that prior to Anaheim, prior to the election, you had what many people call the platform, which is the you know kind of the um, reference to the SBC elite crowd. Who TM? Yeah, TM. It, 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 the platform TM. Uh, that's kind of how I like to phrase it. <laughs> I'm with you on that one. Um, they went on full scale assault against um, Tom Askell, including Danny Aiken, head of a... I don't know how Danny Aiken gets away with constantly endorsing people for SBC president, because I'm fairly certain they're not supposed to do that. But Danny Aiken does it every year. Um, Yeah. So he did it. And um, you had people that were trying to, like, paint Tom Askell as this ultra-white right-wing nut who was actually trying to create a problem with the SBC. Hey, did you know he has his own school? Yeah, he's a school of public theology, Founders Ministries, because they believe they want to train people up to like think theologically. Big shocker there. But he's trying to create competition for our six schools. Right, that's really a huge competition. Um, 
he's you know they painted him as somewhere uh, uh, that his changed direction mindset was far too extreme and that basically tried to uh, uh, paint conservative Baptist network and founders as this ultra right wing extremist mindset that it's you know uh, kind of like an alt right uh, polit political arm and then to to one more extent you had people associated with these uh, with these individuals trying to claim that Tom was trying to steal the election by changing the time. This was a bald-faced lie. Uh, Tom and his son both have come out and said, no, we were never trying to change it. At the time that everybody said we were setting it, we were having breakfast. But uh, basically, Twitter went nuts with a lot of people, and sadly, Bart Barber, sir, you should know better, uh, shame on you, who started saying... There's been an effort to change the time of the vote because there'll be less people. You need to all be in here at 8 a.m. And multiple people that were part of this platform, TM, sharing this information. And it was a bald-faced lie. Tom Askell made no such effort to change the time of the vote. The vote was still set for the afternoon. In fact, it was delayed because of the, what is a pastor debate? Yeah. Um... It was a bald-faced lie, just like what happened to Mike Stone when they sent uh, Hannah Kate up to her, and oh, when gosh, he said, Hannah what Kate. you're doing isn't right, and they, they, oh, she cried, and he's terrible, and he's mean. They did this, yeah. They're doing the same thing to Tom. This is, this is politics. This is straight politics. So Again, looking more like the world. Exactly. And these are, these are the individuals trying to pull the strings for the SBC and trying to pull it in a direction and trying to claim there's no drift. Right. So all of this was going on. And then when it didn't happen, because it was never going to happen, oh, we're victorious. We stopped them because guess what? We all showed up and they couldn't pull this off. That's kind of like Barack Obama's, hey, if I didn't do this, the economy would have been worse. <laughs> right? How are you going to prove that? How do you argue against that? Right? Mm -hmm. It was a bald-faced lie, and they know it was a bald-faced lie, and sadly, Bart Barber was part of it. Whether he honestly thought that was the case or not, I don't care. Bart, you should have known better. You should have gone and talked to Tom. But he didn't. He he reshared that information. Here's here's what I don't understand too, uh, you know, about some of these some of these things and these accusations. Like all you have to do is take 5 minutes. Mm -hmm. And listen to Tom's sermons. Mm -hmm. Um Q&As. By what standard? Mm -hmm. And all, all you gather is that Tom desires to be biblical. Amen. And people try to put extra biblical labels and disparage someone for wanting to be biblical. Again, I thought this was supposed to be a evangelical, Christ-like organization. Yet, they're engaging in the politics of the world to get their way right and that's and that's the sad part about it this goes back to the platform the whole there are individuals who are tm, TM. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who are trying to prevent the 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 direction the sbc is he heading trying to prevent that from being turned back toward biblical parameters the sad thing about this is what happened at the time of the election. Mm -hmm. 
last year when Mike Stone and Ed Litton ran, it was a close race. I mean, extremely close. And if the shenanigans involving Hannah Kate had not happened, there's a really strong chance that Mike Stone could have won. Because many voters said, well, what happened with that? That made me think twice about him. This year, not so much. Huge difference. As Todd Friel said, it was like a sea shift. I mean, it was big difference in the voting numbers. And I think that tells me something about what's going on within the SBC churches at large and the mentality that's being pushed down from up above. And that was that there are just a lot of people, more than they realize, who have been inculcated in this pragmatic view. And they saw Barber as the safe bet. They saw, in my opinion, they saw Askell as too extreme. In fact, there was somebody on Twitter today that uh, described himself as a reformed individual who was there and I'm going to give you the real scoop because we're really not drifting and left and we're not becoming liberal. So let me tell you all these things. And he talks about how he identifies theologically more with one candidate because, but couldn't vote for him because he's not, and I'm not kidding, not winsome. He is not winsome. <laughs> yes, same reaction. <laughs> poor, uh, poor Chris Bell fell out of his chair. Uh, he's not winsome. And I believe... That is the problem, is that there is a, this sea shift is a result of this debate that if we are too firm in our presentation of the Word of God, we're just, we're going to lose people, and, and we can't have that. And so Barbara was the safe bet, and Barbara's a company man, and Barbara's not going to do anything to change the direction of the SBC because he knows, he knows who butters his bread. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to paint him as some sort of ultra-liberal, but I also he doesn't have a backbone to stand against it. When you listen to the things that he said prior to running, he's, he, he is a, you know, we're status quo. This, we're just going to go on this direction. So this, this, <laughs> so brother, you know, I, I think ultimately uh, if in looking at this, and seeing this massive shift, because I remember in 2021, 20, the vote was close, very close. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm friends with you know Virgil Walker and, and Josh Bice, they were there, um, and they, they talked about all this stuff. Um, and what you're seeing this year, I think, is further evidence of God's wrath upon the SBC. I don't disagree. It's a wrath of abandonment, and it's brought about uh, because there's more of a concern with power, pragmatism, and the love of everything errant, fallible, and insufficient instead of a love for and a desire to be holy and to be conformed to the inerrant, infallible, and sufficient word of God. And ultimately, what's happened inside the SBC as a whole um, is you've seen this shift. And so, therefore, you've seen uh, them reject the Word of God. And by doing so, they've rejected the God of the Word. The reason, I I think J.C. Ryle nails one of the reasons that Tom Askell did not get elected. 
J.C. Ryle, in his letter entitled Pharisees and Sadducees, said this, quote, To keep gospel truth in the church is, a, is even of greater importance than to keep peace. The Apostle Paul valued unity greatly as we know. Why? Because he dreaded false doctrine. He feared the loss of truth more than the loss of peace. Now listen to this sentence. Many people have a morbid fear of controversy. Mm-hmm. Period. Close quote. Tom Askell is going to come in and be biblical. Mm-hmm. And truth, but tr- true unity draws a hard line because true unity is based on the truth found in God's word. Period. Yeah. And, and what's going to happen is Tom's going to come in and draw a line and say, yeah. no, scripture says this, right? What was the whole thing? We have a book. Exactly. Okay. We have a book. This is what the book says. This is what we're going to do. That's going to draw a hard line. That's going to fly in the face of, uh, of people's pride. That's going to step on their golden calves that they have fashioned and given the name Yahweh to. Mm-hmm. And he's going to walk in and want to smash those according to the word of God. And people aren't going to have that. The mob is not going to have that. And so what these people who have valued and have chased after power and pragmatism are going to do, they're going to placate and play on the abysmal lack of biblical discernment by most professing evangelical Christians inside the Southern Baptist Convention. And they're going to twist things, and they're going to move things around, and they're going to, they're going to use these, using your words, these elitist tactics, mm-hmm. and, and, and look, look what's happening. Yeah. So, go ahead. No, no, that's absolutely on, on point, brother. And I think that's why we saw Barber elected. Is goes back to that that statement from Ryle. Ryle, people have a morbid fear of controversy. The SBC, and I think most people will agree with this, has bowed at the altar of pragmatism for decades. Oh yeah, it's and, and they're so inculcated. It, it's like like a fish that doesn't know it's wet. Oh yeah, yeah. If you ask the average churchgoer in evangelicalism, especially even in SBC, mm-hmm. why do you do this? At your church, mm-hmm. what's the biblical reason? You're going to get blank stares. Mm-hmm. Why do we do that? We've always done that, right? What? Why do you do <laughs> altar calls? We've always done that. The what anxious would, bench. Yeah. Why? 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 What else would we do? And, and if you want to see, not actually see that, just talk about how altar calls are not biblical and watch people lose their minds. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I, I forget who it was that posted it. I mean, somebody lost their ever-loving minds. When you mentioned, we did a whole episode on that. Yeah, on Matter of Theology. Oh yeah, you guys did a great episode on that. Really need to, folks. You need to, you need to listen to Matter of Theology. Please go pl- plug that in. These guys are great. Um, l- listen to just about every episode that comes out. Um, so they are so inculcated in it, they can't see the biblical lines. And like you, to, to what your point was, when when Tom Askell says this is the biblical standard, this is what we're going to do. They see that as controversy. How, how can you say we can't do this anymore? How can you say that there can't be that anymore? Because the Bible says, no, no, we have to have that. And I, I think that's the problem. And it's because of this constant drift that mm-hmm. we've been seeing pushed by leaders of the SBC for years. And we've seen it. We saw it with the uh, in twenty eighteen with the with the or excuse me twenty nineteen with the resolution nine, the embrace of social justice. Uh, mm. where, where, you know, and You've got schools like SEBTS teaching woke ideology 
lying and saying they're not, but you got the students coming out saying, yeah, it is. You see this, uh, you see even SCBTS graduating women, not in just a, a seminary degree that would be appropriate for whatever role they're seeking, but like ministerial pastoral studies. Okay, this is happening. And it's being promoted within the schools and within the agencies. Again, right. go back, going back to Tom Buck's uh, multiple posts that he's put out of North American Missions Board planting churches with women as pastors, like co-pastoring in, in the church. This constant push towards pragmatism and that, that, that constant drumbeat of the world is watching. It is over and over and over again. And it, the, you saw that tongue lashing last year from the uh, from the stage, from the platform. You guys need to be as serious about evangelism as you are about CRT. It's, it's this constant drumbeat of compromise. And now we're starting to see things like compromising okay we've got this sex abuse issue that came up we've got and it's the right thing to do to study it and find out how did it happen and what can we do to fix it I totally think that's great but who do we go to an outside agency that is supposed to be the best in the business but they're not going to even remotely have a biblical worldview on this why because they are already endorsing sexual immorality so, but that's who they go to. Well, we got to go with the best in the business. No, you go with the one that's going to reflect biblical truth. You know, you, you need to, if you're going to have your churches conform to a teaching or a set of recommendations, they better line up with biblical truth. And again, Tom Askell makes that comment. Tom Askell resoundingly mocked by the platform TM. Um, so they... They, they refuse to acknowledge that any of this is a problem. They, they overwhelmingly accept those nominations or recommendations, and they disparage anybody who warned against them. Uh, there are a clear willingness to compromise on even their own standard. Not even looking at Scripture for a minute, just looking at the Baptist faith and message, which has clear definitions on the, the office of pastor. We see them trying to carve out exceptions by defining pastor differently now. All of this is showing that... Um, I'm sorry. I looked over at Twitter. Rich, you're not helping me right now. I'm starting to stay focused. Uh, no, we do not accept Lego as donations. Rich, what are you, what are you doing? You're killing me here. Uh, anyway, so... Uh, getting back on track... All of this is showing that the platform TM, the the elitist leadership, and the entities that they populate is pushing the the SBC in a specific direction. Mm. And what's really sad is the the failure of so many people to recognize it. I, I, okay, I'm going to make reference to a non-Christian person, so everybody scream hypocrite. Um, Elon Musk made his comment not long ago. Elon Musk, hey, I'm a liberal as of this year. This I was friends with these kind of people. And then over the years, they pushed further and further left, dragging the center line with them. Elon doesn't change in his, his, his ideology, but he's now more aligned with the right than with the left because they've moved so far left. You've got people that are holding, let's say, centrist biblical views who think they're conservative now. Who, because the ideology of what is the left has been drugged so far, they fail to see it themselves. And why? 
because they don't have biblical standards. And they don't see what's happening. Like the, like the frog in the pot that's slowly being boiled, they don't see it. So here's where I think the big question of the night needs to come in. And I, brother, I know I've been yammering a lot, but I know you have some thoughts on this. But I just want to... I want to paint a picture now that we've. Kind You're of, good, man. You're good. Uh, we we've kind of shown you what happened at this at this annual meeting. That it again, once again, was guided and directed by a certain set of people who had a certain agenda in mind. And people were shut down, shamed, quieted, dismissed, left and right. And a a major church in the denomination may well be. Yeah, just a slight pass for openly violating the own sta the, the standards of the uh, of the SBC. So here's your here's the question. I I, I said it, Rich and I said Rich, Chris and I said at the beginning. You can call me Rich. That's a compliment. <laughs> so why should you remain? Should your church remain as part of the SBC? Should you remain affiliated? with this organization. A couple of things I want you to take into consideration here. When you call yourself an SBC church, you are contributing to this SBC head. Here's how. Number one, by your name. By being part of the SBC, even when you're not in full agreement with everything that's going on, you have tied yourself to the institution and its actions. Now, I understand a lot of people are going to get really upset with that. We're autonomous churches. Cool. I'm glad. Because I don't want you guys being ordered from on high to do some of the things these guys are telling you to do. I think that's great. Here's the problem. I'm not saying this is guilt by association. This is a direct affiliation. You have to apply to become part of an SBC church. You have to be credentialed by these entity heads to be an SBC church. You are directly tied and affiliated through, the, the, through that credentials committee. To be an SBC church or to be planted as an SBC church, you have to have those connections. So you are directly affiliated. Even if you are not doing the things that they're doing, you're still directly affiliated and you're still carrying that name. Okay. Um, you participate in the annual meeting or not allowed to participate when your mic gets cut off. Uh, <laughs> you are taking part in voting on resolutions. You're taking part in uh, electing leaders. You are affiliated and connected to the SBC. Okay, this is not, I like the SBC and I'm going to call myself SBC, but I'm not. You are directly connected and tied through that name because of the things that you have to do to become part of the SBC. Another way is through your financial giving. Churches send money through the cooperative program to, to North American Missions Board, uh, International uh, Missions Board. They send money to the schools. There, there's multiple ways in which you are financially providing for the umbrella head and these leaders and these, and these individuals who are part of the platform TM who are making decisions and you are financially contributing to that. Oh, but we give for missions specifically. Okay. Sex offender or sex abuse task force recommendations. One of the things that comes out of that is financial money given to people who are identified as victims of sexual abuse. A lot of churches rightfully said, "Hey, wait a second. That money that we're giving to cooperative program is for missions." Well, there was a long thread. I forget by who, who said, "Oh, 
We used we used uh, cooperative program money when uh, Hurricane Katrina hit, and you didn't cry about it then. This is an obligation of love. Even though you, church, didn't do this, we've got to take care of these victims. Money that you give is being decided by those individuals how they feel it should be spent. You may be giving it for a particular reason, but you're giving it to these guys, and they're making the decisions where it goes. So you're supporting what they are funding by their choices. It gives them the ability through that financial giving to guide and direct where SBC churches are supposed to head. You're supplying that through your financial giving. You don't have to intend that to be the case, but that's what's happening. Another way that it had that uh, as you know by being part of the SBC that you're contributing to this overall thing is the schools. A lot of you your churches are sending your congregation members to SBC schools. SBC schools are drifting further and further left. SEBTS is a perfectly good example. These kids, young men, young women, are going in to get a uh, supposedly biblical education so they can come out and do ministry work. They're being fed a steady diet of things like social justice, intersectionality, uh, you know, uh, gender equality, it's all in there. And you can revoice. deny it. On, huh? Revoice. 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 Oh, yes, the whole revoice, uh, you know, talking about LGBT-friendly, how we... Same-sex attraction. Same-sex attraction. That's not sinful. Uh, being attracted isn't sinful. All of that's coming out of these schools. These guys are getting a steady diet of it. They're getting funded by the money you spend to put your kids there. Young, young men and young women there. And in the end, it turns out people that are going to be part of the SBC body that go to the next annual meeting, that make the next set of votes, that influence the net direction of the SBC. We're autonomous. The platform doesn't tell us what we can do. They can't change what I'm doing in our what we're doing in our church. Excellent point. I'm glad. It's probably the most common argument I heard as I was commenting on stuff over the last few days was that hey, arch I, I I know churches that don't they don't follow this stuff. They don't get involved in what these guys do. They're SBC, but they're not involved. In it. I get it. I get it. autonomous churches. I I've heard that over and over and over again. I get it. You're not doing what these guys are doing in your local church. And I am glad for that. Man, am I glad for that. You, you know, you're spending time feeding your sheep. You're spending time equipping the body to be biblical Christians. Fantastic. I am thrilled with that. That's really laudable. I am glad that there are so many Christian churches within the SBC who are still biblical. Thankful for that beyond measure. I can't even begin to tell you. I don't say that in any sarcastic manner. I am serious about this. Praise God. So here's my question. If you're an autonomous church, and maybe you're not even giving, you, you, you know, like some churches, like Tom Buck's church pulled out a cooperative program. Giving to missionaries directly. Great. I think that's fantastic. I'm thrilled. So here's my question. Maybe you're not using the schools. Maybe you're not following the directions of the SBC leadership. You're not even getting involved in the nonsense they do. You aren't sending them money. Why are you still part of the SBC? You're not 
you're, you're not following anything that they're doing. You may not be giving money to them, or you've recently decided you're going to stop doing that. Why? What is connecting you to the SBC? Brother, That I, I've heard that so many times. Uh, yeah, no, that's a, that's a fantastic question, brother. And I think everything, everything that has been discussed thus far, um, is, I mean, it, it, it warrants that question. And, um, it's the same question that I've gotten when it comes to, uh, you know, churches that are a part of the, the Acts 29 church planning network. And they've also gone woke and, um, because of, Matt Chandler and Eric, uh, Eric Mason and, um, and others. And, and the response I typically get is this, well, they get the gospel, right? Well, they get the gospel, right? So, um, let me, let me read this quote by, uh, Dr. Scott annual. Um, and, uh, he, he said this in an article, uh, he wrote for, uh, G3 actually, uh, November 5th, 2021 entitled unity and separation. And, Scott said this, and this is this is wonderful. He said, quote, The center of Christian unity is the truth of God's word, all of it. The gospel is the boundary of Christian unity, but the center of Christian unity is the whole counsel of God, all the truth contained in his inspired, inerrant, authoritative, and sufficient word. All of God's truth matters. All of God's truth affects Christian unity to one degree or another. The Christian faith is more than just the gospel. It is the whole counsel of God. Doctrinal matters beyond the fundamentals of the gospel like baptism, ecclesiology, hermeneutics, eschatology, and much so much more are secondary to the gospel. They're not the boundary, but they are important and affect the degree to which we can unify and cooperate with other Christians, period, close quote. So I think the question that needs to be asked is, you know, you, if you're a part of an SBC church or you're a pastor or elder listening to this and you are in the SBC, you know, I think, I think there are three things that we are called to steward as believers and that you are called to steward as pastors and elders. And that is, and it applies to both our time, our talent and our treasure. And so if we are, you know, you've addressed the treasure issue um, and, and, and what, what's going on, but it also comes down to time and talent. It also comes down to seeing the way that things are being run and how absolutely antithetical these things are to what scripture um, sets as a standard, but then also prescribes as commands. And when you see that in order, you know, I, I, I get the desire to want to fight. I get the desire. Um, you know, that was the whole reason that Al Mohler at the 2019 Shepherds Conference got into the, that kerfuffle with oh, uh, wow. Phil Johnson in that Q&A is he said, I'm trying to keep the SBC from, from going liberal. He said that from the platform. And, but to, to my point to Dr. Mohler I've never said this to Dr. Moeller. I, 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 I said it on social media and I've said it in podcasts. But, but my response to that is this, is if God, if God has exercised his wrath, the wrath of his abandonment, 
and have, has given entities a shove in the direction they want to go because they've rejected him by rejecting his word, I don't care how much any one, two, three, fifty churches try to fight to save something, if God has abandonment, abandoned it, the only thing that's going to save it is God stepping in and stopping the downgrade. Amen. That's it. And, and, and it's clear for years, for years now, that the leadership inside the SBC is more concerned with their power, they're more concerned with the pragmatic means, they're more concerned with pleasing the world than, than, than staying true and keeping to the fidelity of the Word of God and the God of the Word. Therefore, I don't see at this point and I said this a year ago, and I'll keep saying, I don't see how a, a, a God-fearing, called, confirmed, qualified group of elders can, can look at this and go, okay, we're going to stay and fight. Because yeah. my question is, okay, but at what cost? What are, because at this point, you're fighting a losing battle, mm-hmm. and your time and you're okay fine stop giving to the SBC stop giving to NAM stop giving to the IMB stop giving to to all of that but your time and your talent are now being used to fight a battle against something that God has exercised his wrath against when you could take that time and talent and focus that more into shepherding your family mm-hmm. and shepherding your church family amen amen and here's what's interesting is you know the people that are trying to deny the drift always appeal back to, hey, we we are not liberals because we do. And, and go, going back to the individual who uh, voted for Barber because he's winsome, um, he makes a he makes a statement in his thread. He says, "Did the SBC go liberal?" He says, "No. All six of our seminaries infirm inspiration and inerrancy. All four of our presidential candidates infirm inspiration, inerrancy, deity of Christ, biblical miracles, bodily resurrection, virgin birth." That's kind of the the the, the stock answer. Hey, we affirm all these things. Great. File cabinet theology sounds fantastic. But you're but but you're a practical you're a practicing practical atheist when it comes to your you you exercising your belief in its sufficiency. Yeah, and that's exactly it. Go back to the 2019 uh, debate on the resolution, the infamous resolution nine. Right. You know, they you they they convinced the messengers to vote for something that would be used as they said an analytical tool. That had nothing to do with scripture. It was a godless, atheistic, Marxist, humanist ideology that would somehow analyze why sin happens in the world. And once we understand that, then we can apply the Bible. Mm-hmm. Except that that ideology it, it absolutely hates the Bible. Mm-hmm. So it's whenever you say, oh, we have this great file cabinet theology... So you're not practicing by it when you when your absolute um, appeal is the world is watching, not hey, let's honor God. You are you're drifting in a different direction. You're mm-hmm. not drifting toward biblical fidelity, not drifting mm-hmm. toward biblical faithfulness. You've mm-hmm. cut the moorings. You're drifting mm-hmm. away. 
It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of like being in a boat next to the dock where it's safe and there's a storm coming. Everything's lashed down tight and you're just kind of bit by bit cutting away at that rope. Mm-hmm. And now you're down to the last few lines. And when that wind comes, boom, it's going to rip it off, right? Mm-hmm. That's where the SBC is. It's cut the moorings. It, a claim, it's got a few threads that it holds on to. That's the, that's the claim to biblical fidelity. But when the storms of the world come along, they drift with it. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem. It's, they're not drifting toward biblical faithfulness. That's not our bent as human beings. We, we have to be constantly in the word, conformed to the word, on a constant, regular basis just to stay remotely close to Christ. Yep. The idea that you can somehow, well, the world is watching, be your battle cry, and somehow that keeps you tight with biblical fidelity, is it's unheard of. It always pulls you away. And it was Todd Friel on his program that pointed out, if you're going to the point of ordaining women, that you're finding a way to squeeze that in, mm-hmm. you're going against Scripture and every denomination that's done that, whoo, yeah. once that happens, it's gone. Yep. And so it is over and over and over again we're seeing that. And again, to your point... Not if you're trying to say, well, we're not letting we're not letting the politics influence us. Okay, so you're not really engaged with the SBC as an entity because you don't want that. Um, we're not giving financially, so you're not even contributing to the the financial well-being of the entity. What are you doing? Well, we're still going to fight. I mean, there was an individual who said right after the election, well, we've got to redouble our efforts. We've got to do, but. but, but and last year when this went down, that question got asked, why? Well, we've got these schools, these entities, all this stuff. We've got to pull them back because if we if we just cut our losses, then we're turning the SBC over to liberalism. As you said, if that's where God has sent it because that's what they've embraced by the leadership, number one, you're not going to change it. But number two, how many times do you have to lose to find out you're not going to win? How many more times? The, the gap is getting bigger. And you, the individuals playing this game are not playing by the biblical rule book. Mm-mm. They're stacking the deck. Mm-hmm. So at what point, you know, SBC churches, I this is a plea. We're not trying to, we're not trying to malign you. We're not trying to question your, your, your fidelity. We're not trying to crush any of that. We're, we're pleading with you. At what point do you recognize we're not going to win this fight. God has charted the path. This is where it's going. Historically, we've watched this happen with other denominations. Once this once this is accepted, it's off and running. At what point do you say, we want to take these energies, instead of trying to ca- capture back the property, capture back the, uh, the political entities, capture back the schools, at what point do you start saying, to Chris's point, my faithfulness must be to the word of God and the proclamation of the gospel, and we're not going to fight people who have taken control and have ro- running this ship ashore. Yep. At what point do you do that and say, we're going, I mean, d- it, is it literally when the ship takes, you know, the ship is like inches above the water and, and everybody's drowning? Yep. Is that when it is? Yep. I don't think that's wise. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, 
No. And, and you have to remember that, that God is sovereign. Amen. Period. That God is sovereign. He will He will take care of His elect inside of the SBC and outside of it. It doesn't. It's not dependent on you uh, to save them. It's dependent on you to um, be obedient to what the scriptures teach, to sound the alarm if necessary, um, but to align um, a- a- align with with those who align with the whole counsel of God. Um, I think the last thing I have. Uh, is this quote from Daryl from episode 106 of Just Thinking. He said, quote, I think it needs to be said and emphasized again that Christianity is not some passive belief system that causes believers to lock arms with individuals, including pastors, preachers, and politicians who subscribe to a worldview that is objectively observable as being evil and which loves and promotes the darkness rather than the light. Period. Close quote. Amen. Amen. And I think that's the issue is that even if you could win, let's say that the SBC is one to the the political offices such as president and stuff are one. What happens? You still have a massive fight because of the entrenched leadership and, and the the spirit and uh, that has been inculcated into it even if you can win this election how long will you be there even if you can win um, some of these entities back how long so as, as we close this out and I thank you guys for being with us for, for nearly two hours here um, again this is a plea we, we're not trying to we're not trying to shame anyone we're not trying to attack anyone nope nope nope, nope. It, it is time, it is past time, quite honestly, but it is time to ask that question. Churches, you've got to sit down and ask this question. What do we do with this local body that God has given us to be shepherds over? And do we continue to marry it to something that is taking its its cues from the world? I Please, please understand, we, we want you guys to be committed to the, the Word of God. We want you to be promoting pro- proclaiming the gospel and we don't want you weighed down by worldly attachments that's it and that's, that's it. really what it boils down to so gotta let you guys go you've hung on for so long brother chris chris i appreciate it this this is what it looks like on our end man this is this is how long this takes anymore it just keeps going uh we can I love it we could literally go all night but we can't because you you got family stuff to take care of um at least my at least my boys can work and i can kick them out of the office and say <laughs> go, go to your job uh so we're gonna let you guys go chris any last uh, words before uh, for our listeners Oh, brother, man, we love you on Matter of Theology. We, man, we love you and Rich, and um, and and check out uh, all of their episodes. And um, just thankful for you, brother. Thankful for your stand for truth. Thankful for your writing. Keep doing it. Uh, and uh, and and brother, we yeah, man, we we love you guys. We love being part of the Christian podcast community with you. Well, brother, you guys, I tell you, I am grateful for the work you do. Grateful for the the just the strong emphasis on the theological underpinnings of everything that we do. I mean, folks, you got to listen. We're patting each other on the back here, but I'm being serious. Um, you really need to listen to it. Matter of theology, you're, you're going to hear a lot of Puritan quotes, by the way, because it's like, that's, that's, oh, yeah. he just bleeds Puritanism. Uh, I had some Watson quotes ready for tonight, <laughs> but I didn't pull them out. 
I'm shocked. I'm utterly shocked. Um, but anyway, so please listen to them. Please check out Matter of Theology. Please support them and share their uh, the work that they're doing. And again, check out uh, Christian Podcast Community. You're going to love it and, and, and everything that's in there. Appreciate your time. We're going to let cut you guys loose. Uh, hopefully, Rich will be better and we'll be back next week and will not sound like a... Uh, well, maybe he'll just sound like a Wookiee instead of a Sand People. There you go. That would be nice. All right, so we'll let you guys go. God bless you. Good night. We will see you next time.